Hello everyone and welcome back to the Winging Git. That did not sound like a winging. It is called winging. Winging. That's a font, isn't it? Hello everyone and welcome back to the Winging It for the One podcast. It's the Imola review for the Amelia Romano Grand Prix. Not the wrong name, but I can't remember. <laughs> uh, it's just me and Freddie this week for this one. Uh, Adam is somewhere on the west coast of America. I can't remember. Oregon. There we go. Oregon. Portland, Oregon. Whatever that means. I think they host. I think Oregon's hosting the Athletics World Championships this year. But we're not here to talk about that. Uh, we're here to talk about uh, the 2022 Amelia Romana Grand Prix. Uh, wasn't the best race so far this year, but obviously we've had some cracking battles season already. Max Verstappen winning from Sergio Perez. Uh, what did you make of the race overall, Freddie? Well, you know I'm an eternal optimist about all these kind of things, Nigel, <laughs> and and I'm such a nerd that I can find even boring races enjoyable. And I, yeah, I thought it was all right. It was good. It had lots and lots of elements to it that in 2015 it would have made it the best race of the season. So I think <laughs> we look at. I, I think it was good. I think it had good bits. I think yeah, it sort of it steadied out sort of at the midpoint where everyone seemed to think it would rain again. And I don't know if they've watched F1 before, but it never rain. If you think it's going to rain in half an hour, it doesn't rain. That's, that's people talk about commentators curse and that is on weather forecasting. It's the weather forecasting commentators curse. Anyway, that's my only gripe really, because I thought I, I, yeah, I just, I was pleasantly surprised by a lot of it because I expected it to be a kind of, you know, processional race. And I think it was better than a processional race, especially considering the GRS wasn't there for most of it. I think if I look at it from a perspective of the weekend, I think it was one of the most enjoyable Grand Prix weekend there's been in a long time with qualifying in the wet, sprinting the dry, racing the wet and the dry, just then with so many different things going on across that. I think as a weekend, it was brilliant. Yeah. I, I, I think as a weekend as a whole, it was pretty entertaining overall. Yeah. Just a race for me, at least. Uh, it didn't really have that lead battle any stage, I guess that kind of caused quite a significant thing, but there's True. still lots of talking points. Uh, obviously, the first thing is Verstappen winning for the second time this year, gap now down to 27 points. It was uh, 46 at the start of the weekend, where he took a point away on Saturday with a brilliant uh, pole position slash win in the sprint race. And let's, let's, let's talk a bit, a bit about, about that first because mm. that overtake on the club. On Saturday was absolutely absolutely outstanding. I thought to scoop around the outside, get it stopped, not go off the track, and that was very important. Turned out, oh, it was very important. It was very diff- difficult to be able to keep speed when, with that kind of wide overtake to then keep speed into the second part of the Tambiara Kane. and he did that really well. He was able to cut off Leclerc, and he was able just to manage that so well. It was sort of. It was weird. The sprint sort of became the absolute perfect length for the yeah. tyre strategy for Red Bull and just a bit too long for Ferrari. So it was, and that, that actually fed into the uh, main race as well, but um, we'll talk about that later. But the tyres and just the, the way Max managed them was, in hindsight, fantastically brilliant and really deserved the P1 in that sprint. And you know, you look at it from a grand perspective, it's one point difference, but it's such a pride kind of thing. And yeah. he really earned that and really did well to do that. After 
frankly, probably a really shoddy, <clears throat> a really shoddy start, um, which we can put down to gear sync apparently on the Rebel side, or just by him probably dropping the clutch a bit too aggressively. But anyway, um, um, he did really well. And you're right, fantastic move around the outside because there's been a lot of drive-bys at that part of the track, but that's a real, that's a curved braking zone where it just hands it to the car on the inside. So to be able to go around the outside, well done. Yeah, absolutely. And even to set up that overtake, it took four or five laps to get close and close enough. But it didn't, importantly, it didn't overdrive and make a mistake, which is obviously what McClure did uh, 24 hours later. So mm-hmm. that was key as well. And then in Sunday's race, uh, Verstappen, it never looked in doubt, it, did it? It was a bit, it was a bit like McClure in Australia, apart from start in Melbourne. But apart, it was a bit like that, where the win just cruised away, quite frankly, switched to the tyres. Uh, he had the he built up a gap so he could switch to the tyres and see what uh, dry tyres and see what everyone else was doing, and he was just cruised away, didn't he? Yeah, oh, yeah. He, uh, even though they all crept off the line, it looked like um, Verstappen did it the best and then Perez slotted in behind him and Norris then did a lovely little start to get up from fifth to third I think it pretty good that um and Leclerc was rattled down and no one else was there sort of to challenge Max and he was able to use that to his advantage just plug away plug away plug away find the rhythm get on with it make it to the end and not take any risks build that gap when he could and then just hold it when he didn't need to build anymore. And, you know, textbook win. Stuff we, you know, proper sort of drives that you expect from someone who's in a hunt for a championship. And ones that, you know, we don't really see so much from Max because he's such a sort of eventful driver. He always gets involved in, in, a, in a battling win. But this is, you know, a proper intellectual drive. Proper just, you know, start to finish. Tick every box, um, fastest lap, points, everything, yeah. great. Not really much to yeah. add, just good, very good. Yeah, he did the Grand Slam for the second time in his uh, career, so you know, we got getting full 34 points uh, this weekend with the sprint, uh, eight points there. And I think we talked a bit in the pre-race podcast, didn't we, midweek uh, last week, Freddie, about how last year Verstappen, it took him a few races to get up to speed and then probably around Monaco, Last year, that's when he started his role. And all the way from Monaco to Abu Dhabi, he rarely made a had a bad performance or you know had made made a mistake. And for me, I could see something similar with this weekend at Imola that could ignite a charge of well, where he goes on a run of I don't know 10, 11 races or something, and where he just performs at a really high level. Perhaps you know I, I, I could be wrong. The next race he crashes or something, but. I just feel this is the most convincing I've felt about Verstappen. You know, even after his Saudi win, there was still something there where he didn't, I didn't feel quite as confident. But it looked, he looked, yeah, very convincing. For, uh, I, I think. I think I disagreed with you that with you on that in the preview mm. pod. I think I thought that he, it was purely mechanical, really, why he didn't look like he was so up there. So that made him come across quite stressed at points, particularly under Bahrain and so on. But he led at points in Bahrain. He got close to overtaking for the lead in Melbourne and he won in Saudi. So I think looking at it from that perspective, he didn't really need to ease into it. He was already running. So I think I think really with Verstappen, 
it's more of the same for me, which is very, very good, high quality, deserving to win performances rather than um, needing to get into the headspace to win. I think that's not been the case this year. I mean, I also probably disagree with it a bit for 2021 as well. I think that was more the Merck was a bit better at the start of the season um, than the Red Bull was just anyway. But I think I think they managed to just be so chilled and get into the Merck's head a bit more actually over sort of Monaco and um, whatever came after that, Baku. So yeah, and just in terms of pace, even though Max crashed in that one, but those races following that, but that way that we've done that one. Um, I'm talking about the Emilia Romagna Grand Prix this year. Um, but I think, I don't think it's an opening of a floodgates for Max because I think his I think performance is already at that. Car now. I, think, I think he understands. I think there's something about it where. I don't know. I think you're really too much into it, mate. I think it's just the car worked a bit better here than it did in mm. Australia. Well, if Paris doesn't get close to him for the next four or five races in qualifying, then I would yeah, see that as. Perez was second. Yeah. So. Um, a very controlled yeah. second in this race. So I yeah. think I think he made one mistake, yeah, and allowed Leclerc to get close. But then even with DRS they down the line, Leclerc wasn't able to pass him. So um I think I think that's an argument you've can't make at the moment. At the moment. Okay. Yeah, well, because we don't yeah. know what's gonna happen in the next six races. Yeah, yeah, we don't. We're off. And yeah, a bit about Perez, second place for the Red Bull 1 2. First 1 2 for Red Bull since Malaysia 2016, when Hamilton's engine famously, slash not famously, because you might not know, but infamously uh, blew up. And Ricardo and Verstappen uh, led the 1 2 there. Uh, yeah, I think Perez is continuing his strong form. Apart from that mistake, like you said, he probably deserved second place because he recovered quite well from Friday. And then had a great start on Sunday. Yeah, I, I think he really did deserve the second place. Um, yeah, he made that one mistake, but I mean, who wasn't making mistakes in, like that in these conditions? Probably only Max didn't make a mistake similar to that. I think you could say um, in a in a oh, narrow, gosh. hard track with dappled water across it from the trees and so on in the forest is going to obviously leave a lot of standing water across parts of the track and going to make it hard and. Um, even with the mistake, um, he was intelligent with it. He bailed out early and went over the, the the grass at the best possible angle, which is the closest corner cut you could get to not for it to be still a mistake, um, really. And, you know, yeah, he drove really well, had Leclerc covered, and that was all he needed to do. He didn't need to take the fight to Max. He didn't need to match Max's pace, particularly in such changeable conditions, which Perez is not a bad driver, and he's got podiums in the wet in the past. Uh, Force India, so naming namely Monaco strings to mind in 2016. Fantastic drive from him then, and yeah, he didn't need to really worry about what was behind him. I think he just had it covered. Another, the second second place in a row for him. Yeah, absolutely deserved. Uh, and he that second place was made a bit easier at the end because of Leclerc's costly, costly error at the very empty chicane, but far too much of the curb on the right hand. Very anti alto. Uh, uh, and well, I think he was lucky not to have worse damage. He, he only had some uh, a slightly broken front wing pitted, dropped to ninth, but then recovered back to six. We have seen these mistakes from Leclerc before, but as he said, and I think he's right here, it is the first mistake he's made all season. So I'm not going to be too critical of him. What are your thoughts, Freddie? Yeah, it was. 
he hit the curb hard. Um, and we've seen that a lot because you get the replays. But we, I have not studied every lap, really, um, where he's going over it normally. I think probably he was a little bit lighter on the curbs and he was just pushing a bit hard. But that's completely... It's a fine mistake to make, I would say. Um, similar to what I was saying about Checo's mistake. It's really hard conditions. You're behind a car. It's a really understandable mistake. Um, it's just a costly one. And he had to pit, drop to... Eighth when he came out was overtaken by Magnussen, so ended up ninth, but fought back to sixth um, on the road and was able was able to you know still get points and it wasn't a race ending mistake. It wasn't a, I mean it's championship defining obviously because he lost out on a potential second place, um, an almost definite third place, and ended up off the podium in the single digit points. So that's not very good, but it's not. It's not awful yet. It's not awful yet. It's only yeah. race four. And like you say, he's dominated two races and been second in the other one. So yeah. we can allow him a mistake, really. Um, probably. As long as he doesn't do it again, weekend, you know, for I'd another say. three or four or five races. Sorry? It, it, yeah. So as long as he doesn't do it again until, I don't know, end of June or start of July, then it's absolutely fine. Yeah. Well, it depends on the mistake, isn't it? It's that kind of thing. Like, as long as it's not crashing in Monaco and that kind of thing, like last year, it, you can go wide at a corner. But I mean, yeah, spins are a different, a different one. It's a hard mistake, but um, and the start wasn't necessarily amazing for him in the race either. But that's two mistakes in his first ever Formula One championship battle. So he's still got it. He's still yeah. got what a, a twenty-one point lead, twenty-seven, twenty-seven, yeah, twenty-seven points. Yeah, so it's still, you know, I think he would have taken that after four races, 27-point lead over the staff. He's still he got to win. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 100%. So, I think, yeah, I think we both agree. As long as Leclerc doesn't do it again, you know, for quite a while, then it should be all right. But uh, I don't, I definitely don't think it's... Hang on. He, um, he's not an error-prone driver, Leclerc. He's a pushing driver. He's an f- aggressive driver. And the Ferrari is incredibly... Um, user-friendly. So it's helping Leclerc just be comfortable immediately. That's what they were saying through testing. That, and we were saying that the Ferrari was just lovely and organic to drive. But um, yeah. we have seen moments in the past where Leclerc has pushed and pushed and pushed. But he's only in his, quick maths, fifth full season in F1. So actually, that sounds a bit more now. Now I've said that, that's, that's <laughs> do it, probably a hundredth race. But anyway, um, so maybe that's, that loses the argument a bit. But He's a really young driver still. He um, has kind of made a few high-profile mistakes in the past, naming Baku, Monaco, but he's also, we know he can deliver. So it's not like a big deal, in my opinion. Yeah, well, I'd completely agree. I think, uh, yeah, I think it's not a massive story yet. And it's not a moment in the championship where I'd say, oh, that's where he's lost it. You know, if 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 he retired from the race, maybe, but because he's salvaged six, which is you know eight points, uh, I don't think it's too bad. Uh so yeah. And six is know, pretty good. Be surprised. I yeah, yeah, it's, it's not it's not awful. And, it, and if and if he ends up winning the next race in uh USA, then everyone will have forgotten will have forgotten about this anyway. So exactly, uh, exactly. It's 
I mean, yeah, it is very, very obvious. It's race four out of twenty-three, not race seventeen. But um, this is this is entirely a normal mistake, and that's kind of all that we can say. Which is really forgiving from us too, I think, to say. But because Leclerc's proved his stripes, he's allowed to be forgiven a mistake. Now, how about Carlos Sainz? How much is he going to forgive him for that? His mistake on Friday, call Friday, looked down tenth, and then Sunday that was a racing incident. I think I don't I don't see how you can play with card all sides, but it's gonna be so frustrating for a second weekend running boys beached it in the gravel early on. Mm-hmm. He's not even been been able able to show his potential. Yeah, I think Carlos's mistake in um Friday qualifying was a bit of a silly, sillier mistake than Leclerc's. He wasn't directly behind the fight for second, if you will. He was sort of just dropped it when he was kind of not on a good lap. He was on a lap, I think, really just he was abandoning. So yeah. it's that's a harder one. That's a lack of constant lapse of concentration in difficult conditions, which is um again really easy to do, particularly at um second Ravazza, which is a corner we've seen a lot of accidents at. Rory Nassani had a big crash there in the Formula Two race um this morning. Um and we've seen lots of spins there in the past. It's such an easy corner to drop it at. Um but yeah, it was. It's more of a crucial position for Carlos because yeah, it, it gets brought up a lot now that he's had um, such a dire weekend in Australia, and now this week race weekend hasn't gone to plan either. At least he's still leaving with some points this weekend because of the sprint. But um, it's yeah, he, he was very candid that he struggled with the sort of fight back mentality that he needed in Melbourne, and he he came back from that and did a very good fight back in the sprint. So that was a really, that was, you know, big box tick in that regard for Carlos's mentality going forward. If you look at it from that perspective, the mistake arguably shouldn't have been made in qualifying, but in the sprint, he put his demons to bed of previous comebacks. And like you say, unfortunate wet start, really tight track racing instant. Um, not the perfect start um, in the fact that he dropped behind Norris and was close to um, Ricardo. Um Obviously, but apart from that, like the whole right hand side of the grid got bad starts. I feel like, yeah, it looked like the resurfacing was a bit odd. Um, I saw a yeah. picture that showed them kind of having like two tarmac surfaces on that side of the grid, which is yeah. a bit shoddy, a bit crap. Um, so there might be something alongside, along something to do with that. Who knows? Um, I might be reading too much into it and got something completely wrong. Who knows? Um, but that's a that's a nature of the wet and. I think, yeah, it's, it's bad luck for him there. But he's he's still in the kind of sort of melee down there with in championship points positions with um, with Russell, with Perez, with Verstappen, really. He still is in that kind of group after because he had two very good first races. So, you know, I don't think we should be really too, applying too much pressure on too much criticism on Carlos yet. I think there's, yeah. I think there's still some really good performances to come, and I think they'll be really actually relatively soon from him. I think forty-eight points behind Leclerc, though. I think even though Ferrari won't say this, they will start thinking about right. Leclerc's going to be the driver driver for for the championship this year, if not all. All you know that that might be happening right now, but. That's I a no-brainer, though, for science. Ferrari. It's sad for science, but yeah, you're right. No-brainer. Think about Leclerc as the priority. Yeah. I, I think if science doesn't beat Leclerc, 
in Miami or Barcelona, then I think sides can probably forget about the championship, unfortunately. Yeah. I think it's part of hearts. I think he already is. That already has stopped, mm. hoping. Um, in yeah. comments, he hasn't really said that, but I think he can, because he's been so open about sort of mentality, I think they won't be long until he's open about being a wingman number two and yeah. actually doing a very good job at it. Um, I think that's Carlos's style. He's not going to say, no, I'm sitting on the championship fight in five races time, if he's very clearly not. If he is, all power to him. But we don't know, again, how the next five races is going to pan out. Um, but I think, yeah. I, I think... I think for me as well, this is what separates the great drivers like Carlos Sainz and the amazing drivers like Leclerc, Stapp and Hamilton, as we've seen over the last 10 years. I think... Perry. I think it's when they've got a car that's capable of winning and then they're able to deliver. Whereas Sainz last year, Ryan Worth, you know, third, fourth, fifth best car for most of the season. Mm. It's almost, you've got nothing to lose. The pressure isn't quite the same. There's a different dynamic. Uh, you know, you can afford to make a mistake here or there and it will, and it will go unnoticed. Whereas his mistakes this year is kind of in the, in the limelight. And yes, there's always going to be a bit more pressure, but I do think that is what separates someone like Sites and someone like like uh, Leclerc. That that might change, you know, over the, over the next few races. But at the moment, I think we're seeing the small difference there. And then we are talking about tiny margins, of course. But I think that is the difference between them uh, right now. Uh, so yeah, got anything more to say on Ferrari? Ready? Um. Straight line speed is, is that going to be a concern? Because even with DRS, the clerk couldn't really get close. I think it has to be a concern just based on the the surprising amount of straight line speed Red Bull have. I think in any other scenario, if they're up against other fights, I think it's fine. I think we've seen that through, um, particularly with uh, the midfield cars like Bottas being able to have good straight line speed. So I think yeah. it is a concern based on Red Bull. I don't think Ferrari's got bad straight line speed. I just think Red Bull has yeah. set up very good straight line speed for this year's car, yeah. which is a good trait to have for Red Bull. I don't think it... So I think it is going to be a concern later down the line. But I think we're also going to have longer straights later down the line. So um, if you look at Miami, if you look at Barcelona even as well, it's a bit more kind of ordinary with the straights than Imola and Melbourne. Yeah. So um, I think we'll be in a bit... Ferrari will be in a bad, bit of a better position um, for that, just in general, because of sort of just normality. Yeah, and ultimately Leclerc's win, Verstappen, uh, sorry, Leclerc's uh, sixth place and Verstappen's win, he has brought the championship a lot closer, so next couple of races are going to be very exciting if they weren't going to be already. Uh, let's talk about uh, the other teams apart from Ferrari and Red Bull, Orlando Norris, absolutely outstanding, just like last year at Imola, third place yes. once again. He had pretty much just like Verstappen, a near perfect weekend in all kind of conditions. He was right up there, and I'm going to have to eat my words from Bahrain when I said hmm. uh, McLaren were going to have a troublesome year because they seem to have found. Yeah, well, I think yeah, I think many people did, and yeah. I was definitely very vocal about it. Uh, I think McLaren so, thought it. Yeah, I'm going to have to. Yeah, I'm going to have to eat those words because it looks like they have found something in the car and they've managed to switch on and Norris has just been amazing again. Uh, yeah, what's your reaction to that, Freddie? 
Oh, I can't say any more than that. Amazing. He did one of those Norris No Man's Land performances that we got very used to um, over the course of the last year. And it's good to see he's continued it this year. I think he's had a few races um, to get to grips with this car. McLaren have really kind of grown into this car um, very quickly. So I think it was very impressive. Third place on Friday, very impressive in the wet quality there. And now, um, obviously, third place in the race after a few excursions to fifth. But apart from that, um, really good job. And was there to capitalise um, after Leclerc's mistake and was there to capitalise even when they were messing around with their soft tyre strategies. Um, so was able to even be on track position. So at, so at points, really, his pace meant he was still technically a thorn in their side and a, strate- a strategic consideration after only the first safety car running at the start to Ferrari and to Red Bull. So that's really good pace, actually. That's really good pace when you think about it like that. So impressive stuff from Lando. And well, I think, I think well, there's the no track would even to struggle as well. Uh, yeah, exactly. On a track, they thought they would struggle, but um, with other Mercedes engines cars struggling as well, such as Mercedes. Um, but I think there's no reason to believe Ricardo wouldn't have been up there either because his pace has been very good, particularly in the sprint yesterday. Yeah. And um, even with damage, he was uh, getting up there and at points higher up than last in the race. So um, yeah. I think Ricardo would have been up there with Norris probably the most of the race as well, had his race gone smoothly. Absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Uh, not much to add, I think. I think I, I am a bit surprised how you know how McLaren have bounced back because even Norris himself, I, I know he downplays things a lot, hmm. but he really thought in the slow speed corners McLaren would be in trouble. But it, it, they also had an all round car, some, something like we've seen from Alpine in the you know, third and Saudi and stuff like that. And it's like McLaren were in that position this weekend, so that did surprise me. Yeah, bit, I thought uh, they were going to be really bad this weekend. I think I said it on our yeah. preview. I said I think I think I said McLaren aren't going to be good. So the fact that they were very obviously the third fastest team, and it sort of whittled out as such, was really good. Really good from them. Absolutely, and Valtteri Bottas as well was very good as well, finishing fifth, uh, best result of the season so far. And it probably could have been fourth without that very slow pit stop, but yeah. it didn't cost him too much in the end. I think it was like 10 or 11 seconds, uh, the pit stop when, he was, when they were switching to dry tyres. Uh, it's not the first time Alpha and Mayol have had a slow pit stop. And, mm. uh, luckily for Bottas, uh, he got fifth and he must be absolutely loving being able to battle the Mercedes in the car, in, in the in the Alpha. So, uh, yeah, I think Bottas just underlining uh, Alpha's pace that, 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 that they've got this year. Alpha have as many points this year as they did in all of last year already. Um, and it's their first fifth place since um, Brazil 2019, um, which was, um, well, actually, Kimi Raikkonen finished fourth and Giovinazzi was fifth. But um, yeah. that, that was, was a crazy point. race. This, today exactly. was like genuine. Well, this was on pace. So that you've got to go back to, I think, Felipe Nazza in the 2015 Australian Grand Prix which is also a highly attritional Grand Prix. So maybe you've got to go back to Perez in 2012. But anyway, um, <laughs> that's really good for Alfa Romeo. I think that's basically what I'm getting at. The Sauber Alfa Romeo team, you know, they've done a good job. They've done a good job and they've got a driver who's doing really, really well. He was harassing George Russell at the end of the race, 
which is, um, you know, fun for a rice smile. But he deserved to be there. He deserved to be up there in the grid. And it, him, uh, Magnussen and Alonso, at least on pace, but him with the results, uh, definitely the midfield stars at the moment, I would say, if you're... Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll have to put Russell in that mix as well. I'm not sure, but um, it's... Because that's uh, I'm still classing Mercedes as a higher team than that, but um, just based on their results. But I don't know, maybe. Um, but yeah, fantastic drive, fantastic job. Shame for Joe. Yeah, I was just, just going to ask about like, your favourite driver. <laughs> <laughs> Fourth place in Q1, um, which is no no fluke in those conditions. No. Maybe it was. Um, who knows? Um, not not amazing awareness. Uh, when in the sort of crash that got him out in the sprint and it was a difficult one for him to come back on in the race but he you know he did all right I think he had to pit late on but I'm not, I can't really remember um and yeah it was just not on Valtteri Bottas's level at points this weekend I'd say which is a shame for him it was, it was the first time he's drove at Imola though I think I'm pretty sure he's never driven there so can't use use that as a half excuse and he only had, only had one hour of practice before going straight into qualifying and it was yeah, wet as well. So you know uh, I think yeah this hopefully this is his worst performance or one of his worst performances of the year just because he didn't know the track that much and because of the rain as well. That's that's, I was hoping that's that, and he still so is hoping that and he still showed flashes. So fair play to him. He's definitely been yeah. acquitting himself better as a rookie and I think a lot of people expected. Which is good, which is nice to see. I want to a bit about Aston Martin now, because after Australia, yes. which was one of the worst weekends that a team has ever had, they had a much better weekend, bounced back brilliantly with Vettel in eight, Lance in tenth as well, picking up a point there. So it means every team has scored points as well this season, which is just amazing after four races. And Aston Martin genuinely looked like they had the fourth or fifth fastest car this weekend, which is fantastic. Yeah, I think I expected them to fall back after their good qualifying performances, particularly Sebastian Vettel. I think I expected them to fall back in the sprint um, more than they did, actually, which was still a bit. But then to be able to then bring that back in the main race and then hold it was impressive. I think you can look at Lance Stroll and Sebastian Vettel as two good wet weather drivers, and Lance Stroll historically has been a good starter. Um, and they are able to then hold that. And I was impressed with that because they weren't holding it desperately. It wasn't Stroll like he was in Melbourne, where he was really sort of the cork in the bottle. It was good from both of them. And um, Rattle was there to capitalise on a few uh, later results as well. Um, and yeah, it went very well for them. It's nice to see Aston Martin get points because this is um, they, this is the, as a team, it was their worst, worst run since 2009, um, which is when it was the second year as Force India. Um, but now they've got points, so they can put that to bed. Um, yeah. Because that went on until like round 10. But anyway. Um, so, yes, so that's very good for that team. And they're now fifth, so five points now, ninth in the constructors, which, you know, still a few points off. Um, Alpha Towery? I don't know, whoever is in eight. Um, yeah, probably Alpha Towery. I'm not yeah. sure. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, it really is the weekend they needed, I think. Especially for Vettel as well, because he had an awful uh, comeback in Australia with oh, yeah. comeback from coronavirus and making so many mistakes. But this weekend, yeah. just to have a clean weekend was yeah. a success. But then to have 
genuine pace as well. We're running in the top temp for most of the weekend and then to get it was a great result. So hopefully he can build on this. He'll definitely take a lot of confidence from it as well. They're really pleased to see Vettel finishing in eighth there. Uh, we've got to speak about Mercedes though, Freddie, uh, as, we, as we do every week on the season. <laughs> but, uh, for Lewis Hamilton to not score points, to finish down in 30, and not make any progress in the sprint or the Grand Prix, uh, how much do we read into that? Because obviously he, didn't, he wasn't in clean air and stuff, and he was stuck in a DRS train and stuck behind cars. Yeah, how much do we read into that? Because he was quite a bit off. Russell. I think he was slower than Russell this weekend. I think we can, it's very easy to sit there and say um, that George was in clean air and Lewis wasn't. So maybe Lewis could have even been faster. I don't think that would have been the case. I Because I think if you look at the practice times, particularly practice two, George was P1 in that. Um, and Lewis is a few tenths off. And I think consistently this weekend, Lewis has been a few tenths off George. Um, which just then meant that George was in a position to be at the front of a train, whereas Lewis would be at the back of the train. And that was it, really, from the sprint. And that kind of then compounded when things spread out a little bit more in the main race, that George was able to slip through a few people in a way that Lewis was more at the back of the traffic jam. So I think there's, and there's elements that forced Lewis to be much worse than George, but I think he wasn't as fast as George anyway. Um, Mercedes got a fourth place finish for George Russell. They managed that well. George drove fantastically. So that car was doing okay. It was doing good. It was really nice in the middle sector. Um, but it just never came together with Lewis. I don't really know. Obviously, there were um, shots of him being relatively heated in the garage with Toto Wolff. Um but I think that's just a mark of the frustration that's hit a team that is used to winning. And, you know, I think it's hard to say that it will come for Mercedes, but I think anywhere where there isn't a straight, they could be all right. Um, so, <laughs> no, Monaco. Monaco. And when we go to an oval, no. Um, no. An oval you have to break at. Um, yeah. So yeah. Well, what, what what do you make of Halton's comment saying that he's out of the championship? I agree with them. You agree? Yes. The last time Lewis Hamilton was this far down at the start of the championship season was 2009. Was when he was seventh. He was half a point behind Mark Webber. Um, he was on single digits back then. At that point, though, whereas I think he still won races that year, but he was never a threat for the championship because two teams were doing much better in the form of Braun and Rebel. This year it's Rebel and Ferrari. And he is out of the championship because they're doing really well. If it was so seesaw and Mercedes were top some weekends, Rebel were top some weekends, and he just had really bad, bad, bad results, and it just meant that he was seventh in the championship and was 50 points of drift and whatnot, or whatever it is, 60 points off, um, you could say, no, he's still in the fight. But this Merck is getting worse. This Merck isn't getting better, really, is what it looks yeah. like. The, the, the yeah. problems aren't quick fixes, so he's out of the championship. George, you can't say yet because George is 20 points ahead of him. George is the only driver to finish in the top five all, of all four races. That's really good. He's pulled it out of the bag a little bit with this. but And he's the one who seems to be getting it a lot better. 
So if there is a point where the car can be good, if it's in an awkward position, I would put my money on George in that anyway. And if you're Mercedes, you wouldn't, you should do. So I think I agree at this stage, Lewis is out of the championship. Okay. I, I don't think he is yet. I'm, I'm, yeah. just, I'm still going to go by my line I've been saying for a few weeks that Spain is my top point to predict how, it's, how the championship is going to fall out. I, I, I still... I, I just trust that. I mean, we've, we've suddenly seen, you know, Red Bull jump, you know, to become the best car this weekend. And we all, we all expected Ferrari to have the car to be. And we've seen, you know, McLaren jump. And we've seen Alpine fall. We've seen Haas up and down. I still feel Mercedes can suddenly make that jump when we don't expect it. And it's just a matter of will it happen soon or will it be too late? And obviously, uh, <laughs> for those who don't know, the problem they've got is that they can't stimulate the poor focusing in the wind tunnel, they can only do it on the track. So that is why it's taking such a long time. And I think the big question I've got is, is the car concept, is, is that the problem? Have they got a fundamental problem? Like, is it the lack of side pods? Is that, you know, something to do with the aerodyna- aerodynamics there? And is that not allowing them to run the car low to the ground without it bouncing? Because if that is the problem, then yes, they are out of it. I've still got a little bit of faith and I can never rule out Hamilton, uh, but yeah, I think I think Russell is the one we, we should really credit because he has been outstanding for the first four races. He's jumped into the seat. <clears throat> yes, he doesn't have as much pressure because we say he's not right up there, but still to be beating Lewis Hamilton the map, uh, is, the, is the point. incredible. Mm. So, I think, yeah, I agree with you that Barcelona is the the sort of the real one you should look at. <laughs> but it's just that's the same for everyone else yeah. um, that's the only thing it's like as as Red Bull and Ferrari keep developing their cars Mercedes can't they've got to out develop them to catch up and so on and that's so much easier said than done and mm. and 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 it's even harder than that so just take what you're thinking of how hard it is and times that by a kajillion which isn't even a real number so that's how hard it is and it's just like if they've got to reconceptualize the car, that's a 2023 problem as well. That's not a 2022 problem, in my, in my opinion. You just then get put a new car on track, spend all your money on it, and you're like, oh, no, this one pauses as well. Damn. Yeah. What do you do then? Just cry? Yeah, that's all you can do. So I think they've really just got to work at it and work at it. And I, 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 I take your point that there has been lots of jumps around the performance. And I think that's actually a really good point. So maybe there could be points where they're a bit better, but they seem to me the team that have jumped about least, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. So maybe yeah. they just are where they are. And they've mm. done a thing that Mercedes have always been good at for the past eight years, 10 years, which is versatility. They can be at the same, they can be fast everywhere. Does that mean that they can be slow everywhere too it's yeah it's a hard one i want them to do well i really want them to do well oh yeah it's hard not to be a fan of mercedes because of their just utter brilliant well, i think 50 percent of the f1 fan base wouldn't agree with that <laughs> well, I, think, I think if you admire success and you admire um performance mm. and you admire immense quality of work and drive then you should like Mercedes and 
Yeah, yeah, that's where I stand with them. But obviously, they've 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 gone the wrong way this year, and they've just got a really diff- they've got a lot of good parts on a car that they can't activate. Hmm. Sure, let's go yeah. with that. I mean, McLaren Honda had lots of good parts on the car that the Honda engine didn't allow them to use, and then it was a terrible car. So pinch of salt time with everything anyone says. But um, or oh, who knows? Who knows? Nobody knows. If they jump up and are really good in Barcelona, great. I'll be really happy. I just don't buy it. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's still something there. There's still something there for me. Uh, but yeah, we'll have to see. Uh, one of Halton's problems I did have was he was stuck in the train of cars. I think at one point it was Sonoda, Stroll, Albon, Gazzi, then Halton, and Ricardo. I think Ocon might have been there as well. Something. But there was about five or six cars in a train. And there was still yeah. DRS. Sonoda pulled away. That was it, yeah. There was no DRS for the first half of the race uh, for Eddie. It's not something you thought, why don't, why don't we have DRS yet? Uh, especially when they change over to the dry tyres. Um, I wasn't begging for it as much as others, I think, because we've seen yeah, such a mega crash at this race last year between Russell and Bottas. Um, I mean, that's not a DRS-induced crash, but it's just kind of like, it's, it inspires caution. And um i think it was quite nice to see the the sort of racing we had overtakes into ravazza and overtakes into very anti-alta i quite like that russell and um Bottas doing some lovely lovely little moves and there was i think sonoda and stroll went side by side with stroll kicking up a big old rooster tail on dry tires with some car control to keep that fight alive basically to even keep that car on track in that condition was brilliant so did inspire quite a lot. There was a point, I think, in I think it was Abu Dhabi 2018, might be in 2019, where DRS didn't work for half the race and they couldn't get it to work. And they just were like, oh, all right, don't have DRS for half the race. And you know, it was quite interesting. And you saw kind of more old school kind of lines going. And we saw that a bit today. Um obviously DRS would have helped, but it's still the same thing with DRS trained. Um I think it says it's 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 easy to look at this and go, oh, 2022 cars, yeah, they can race if you have a big hole in the rearing. No, it's Imola. Imola is hard to overtake, end of, I think. I think I think we can still look at 2022 cars and be like, yeah, good. Um, I just think, yeah, it's a hard track to overtake on. I think people were just sort of a bit hopeful with the DRS. I think it's nice to experiment a bit with it, and I completely understand the caution with it. Yeah, I didn't mind that we didn't have it either. I mean, yes, we didn't get much overtaken, but even though when it even when it was enabled, we didn't get much overtaken because they're yeah. all stuck in the trains. I don't really think it made too much of a difference other than Leclerc would have got past Perez after that mistake, then Leclerc probably wouldn't have gone on to make that mistake. So that was the only key thing. I don't think Leclerc would have oh maybe after the mistake, yeah. I don't know. Mm. I mean, that, yeah, it's a hard one to, to take to cool. Mm. Um, I think, apart from that, the cars that were overtaking deserved to overtake. And I think this was a race where when cars overtook, it wasn't because of DRS, really. It's because they'd done the job around the lap and DRS was also there. And I think there's a lot to say that I think you could probably make a decent case for. Probably DRS did assist, but... Um, it was an assist. It wasn't the prime reason. And I think you could say every overtake was 
a lot. I mean, you can say it's probably about every episode, but I think there's a lot more than usual of um, needing to set up the DRS usage on this race. Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd agree with that, I think. Uh, I got the, to that somehow. Yeah. I went around the house <laughs> with that comment. But. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, are there any other drivers you, you want to quickly talk about from the Yuki Sonoda finish? Probably one of his best weekends of his F1 yeah. career so far. I think finishing seventh in the Alphatari looked pretty strong. Yeah, top job from him. Um, uh, <laughs> it could have been sick, um, really. Yeah. So it was, I think it was, it was pretty late. He was taken by Leclerc. So really good job. Um, you know, really good race from him. I think his his pace across the weekend was good. Um, and that's where Alpha Tower are. Um, and he clearly got the best out of that, I think. Clearly got the best out of it. And did some really good, really good accomplished work. So well done, Yuki. Well well done, yeah. Yukes. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I, yeah, I think hopefully this is the start of some momentum for Sonoda, which is something he struggled to do all year last year, apart from the very first race, the very last race. So, uh, yeah. yeah, let's hope we can see some consistency. Let's hope. Let's hope. Uh, conversely, Alpine were pretty disappointing, scoring no points. Alonso's side pod, uh, he had contact with Mixie Mack and that just when he was out, and then Ocon. I uh, was pretty disappointed as well. Uh, so I think I think they will be the most appointed team this weekend. I think. Yeah, Ocon didn't really have much opportunity to show pace at points because he gearbox issue forced him to start from the back at the sprint, and I think he did pretty well to get up to twelfth uh, on the road. Um, obviously, the unsafe release that happened for Alpine was a little bit um, bad, very bad, um, not very good at all. Uh, management of that kind of situation which is what you get which is what you get when lots of cars come in from wets for slicks let's be honest that's a normal thing to happen but it's when you should be most on guard really um yeah. i think as a team for that kind of thing because you just you you make a roll for your own back later down the line which is what happened with alpine alonso's another one fifth in quali really good but just fell back in the sprint and then couldn't really do anything in the race because he got a little tap from Mick Schumacher at the start, which just dislodged lots of parts of his side pod. Um, I'm trying to visualize how they came together. It looked, I couldn't because obviously Mick was like a spun into it, yeah, but he didn't spin into Alonso. I think he spun because he touched Alonso. Um, yeah, so I'm a bit, I don't, I need to see that again to see if Alonso maybe went a bit too squeezy on that, but um. Who knows? Either way, it was a racing incident. Doesn't really matter. And obviously, just just lost his side pod and meant that he just dropped back. So that's a bit of a shame for them because I think he could have probably been sixth or seventh in this race, actually, based on where Alonso was. Yeah. So I think you're right. They should really be one of the most disappointed teams. Um, and I think mm. they were on a, the verge of it. They were on the verge of points again and the verge of probably decent points. So um, they shouldn't be. Uh, sixth in the championship, they should really be near McLaren in fourth, I think. Yeah, yeah, they've not maximized the potential so far. I'll be that's, no. def- that's definitely been the case for them. Uh, but yeah, uh, let's see how they bounce back in Miami. But I think that is our Emilio Romano 2022 uh review from the Wigan F1 podcast. Mm. Uh, unless Freddie has anything to talk about, but I don't think he does, so I'm gonna do the wrap 
put part of the podcast. So that's what you do when you're a podcaster. We've been doing this for about 124 episodes or something. Uh, we should be back next week to have a little preview of Miami depending on, on how busy we are because we are very busy, very busy. Uh, and Adam yes. will be back as well next week. So until then, my thanks to Freddie, my thanks to you for listening or watching. Uh, thanks to anyone who's ever watched this podcast. And if you're listening to this right now, uh, until then, see you next week. Au revoir.